We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. Nothing will prevent him from doing what he wants to do. And so because he's omniscient and because he's omnipotent, he can speak of future events regarding us with certainty as if they've already happened, as if they've happened in the past, because he knows, because he's called us and he's justified us through the blood of Jesus Christ, he knows he will glorify us, that one day we will be glorified with him in his presence. Today, Pastor Dan talks about the power of God's knowledge and his being. Have you ever watched a movie with someone and assured them it will end happily because you've seen it before? On a comprehensible scale, that's not unlike God's knowledge of our lives and the entire universe. He is all-knowing. He already knows how this world will come to an end. And for his believers, it will be nothing short of incredible. Take heart that as a child of God, so long as you trust in him and his will, absolutely everything will work out for your good. And now, open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 60 as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Well, we went through chapters 58 and 59, and in our last study, the Lord God called out Israel for their hypocrisy. If you remember, if you look back in chapter 58, verse 1, the Lord tells Isaiah the prophet, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet, tell my people their transgression." and the house of Jacob their sins. And then he goes on in verse 2 to say, yet they seek me daily. You know, uh, Israel's sin was hypocrisy. They honored God with their words, but not with their actions. They had much religious activity, but it it was all empty religion. It was all empty ritual. There was no reality to it. It wasn't authentic. As the Lord said earlier in Isaiah, They honored God with their lips, but their hearts were far from God. And what we see now in chapter 60, going into chapter 60, is the Lord, even though he was rebuking them for their hypocrisy, he was also careful to give them hope along with that rebuke. Uh, God doesn't want his people to be uncertain about where they stand with him. And just because he rebukes His people, just because he rebukes us sometimes or calls us out about our sin, uh, that doesn't mean that God's changed his mind about us. Uh, That doesn't mean that God has forsaken us. And I I think that's an important thing for you to think about and consider tonight, because I I think for a lot of Christians, they struggle with that. 
another standing with God. You know, in Romans, it says the the calling of God is irrevocable. You know, that once God calls us to be his children and makes us his children through, you know, through the blood of Jesus Christ, we're blood-bought children, blood-bought sons and daughters. He doesn't change his mind. You know, it's, it's it's not like he is surprised by us, right? That like he called us and then realized after he called us just how inconsistent we are. And then thought, well, I didn't know all this. I wouldn't have called you if I've known all this. Now I want, to, I want to take it back. I don't want you to be my child anymore. No, his calling is irrevocable. He doesn't take it back. Now, Jesus promised to never leave us nor forsake us. You know, again, in Romans, it says there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God, which is found in Christ Jesus. Uh, and so here what we see again is when God confronts his people about their sin, he also reminds them of the promises that he's made to them. And I think it's good for us to be reminded of that. He still has a future plan for his people. Their hypocrisy and their sin hasn't changed God's future plan for them. He still has a future and a hope for them. There's still future glory coming for them as a nation, even though right now they're being chastened by the Lord. If you look at chapter 59, verse 20, you know, he's he, in chapters 58 and 59 that we went through last week. He's described their sin. He's described their hypocrisy. He's pointed it out to them. But then in verse 20 of chapter 59, the Lord says, the Redeemer will come to Zion. God's plan hasn't changed. The Redeemer will still come to Zion. Even though he's in the midst of rebuking them for their sin, he he says, but the Redeemer's still coming. I I don't don't want you to think that I'm I'm through with you. I'm finished with you. You know, I I just need to correct some things that you're doing wrong. But the Redeemer's still coming to Zion. And now in chapter 60 that we come to tonight, the Redeemer comes to Zion. Uh, so chapter 60 describes the future kingdom of Christ on the earth when Christ returns to Zion, which is Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem. Uh, you know, we pray in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's probably the most requested prayer ever made. Well, one day Jesus will answer that prayer and Jesus will come And he will bring his kingdom to this earth and he will establish his kingdom on this earth and his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so chapter 60, now he describes that kingdom that will come again, as we've often seen in Isaiah, he talks about, you know, kind of bad stuff for a couple chapters. And then he reminds us of the good stuff to come. You know, he's he deals with their sin. But now he's going to talk about the future kingdom when the Redeemer comes to Zion. So look at verse 1 of chapter 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. And the you there is speaking of Zion. It's speaking of the city of Jerusalem. And so here the Lord says to Jerusalem, Your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And the light that will come 
to Zion will be Jesus Christ, of course. He's the light. John's gospel tells us that Jesus is the light which gives light to every man. In John chapter 8, verse 12, there Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus is the light of the world. He's the light that has come into the darkness of this world to be the light of man. And and here, that's what this is referring to. When the Messiah comes, when Jesus comes to Jerusalem, your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Jesus is the glory of the Lord. John the Apostle describes Jesus. Remember in John chapter 1, he describes him as the word. And he says in John chapter 1, verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And what? We beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. We saw his glory. We gazed upon the glory of God when we gazed upon Jesus Christ. And so he says here to Zion, to Jerusalem, your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Now, before we move on to verse two, I just want to point out one more thing about verse one here. Notice he says to Jerusalem, Zion, for your light has come past tense. He says it as if it's already happened. And Isaiah is writing more than 700 years before Jesus Christ comes as the baby in Bethlehem and before he's crucified on the cross. And and you see this often in the Bible where God speaks of a future event in the past tense as if it's already happened. And this is called the prophetic perfect tense. The prophetic perfect tense. And it's used often in the Bible. And it's when the Bible describes a future event that is yet to happen, but it describes it in a way as if it's already happened. It describes it in the past tense. That's the prophetic perfect tense. And I'll give you a couple other examples for you where we see this. Uh, Back in Isaiah 53, again, this is written more than 700 years before the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, but it describes the crucifixion of Jesus and it describes it in past tense as if it's already happened. Isaiah 53 verse 6 Surely he has borne our griefs, past tense, and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so it describes Jesus bearing our sin, this lamb that will bear our sins. But it describes it in the past tense as if it's already happened. Some 700 plus years before it actually takes place. A second example for you in the New Testament, in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 30 There it says, moreover, whom God predestined, these he also called, whom he called, these he also justified, 
and whom he justified, these he also glorified. So it talks about us being justified. And we were justified when Jesus died on the cross. He died for our justification. But it also says these he also glorified in past tense. Now, we're not going to be glorified. We're not going to receive our glorified bodies until we go to be with the Lord. That's something that's going to take place in the future. And yet God speaks of our glorification as if it's already happened. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. Now, how is he able to do this? Why, why does the Bible use this prophetic perfect tense like this and speak of future events as if they've already happened? Because God's omniscient. That means God's all-knowing. God knows everything. He knows the end from the beginning, the Bible says. And so he knows what will happen in the future. He's also omnipotent. He's all-powerful. So he knows because he's all powerful. He knows what he will do, what will happen. And he knows that nothing will prevent him from doing what he wants to do. And so because he's omniscient and because he's omnipotent, he can speak of future events regarding us with certainty as if they've already happened, as if they've happened in the past, because he knows because he's called us and he's justified us through the blood of Jesus Christ. He knows he will glorify us, that one day we will be glorified with him in his presence. Now, look at verse two. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness, the people. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. Again, speaking of Zion, speaking of Jerusalem. And here it says, the darkness shall cover the earth. When Jesus came into the world the first time as a baby in Bethlehem, he came into a very dark world. Darkness, spiritual darkness covered the earth and deep darkness covered God's people. God's people were under the darkness of the Roman Empire, under the rule of Herod the Great when Jesus Christ was born and the darkness of the religious corruption in Jerusalem, the religious leaders were corrupt leaders. You know, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, describes the Jewish people when Jesus came the first time as people who sat in darkness and in the region of the shadow of death. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2 says, The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region of the shadow of death, light has dawned. And so when Jesus came the first time, he came into a very dark world as the light of the world. When Jesus comes the second time, the world once again will be very dark. It will be in deep darkness 
Uh, The world when Christ comes the second time will be under the rule of the Antichrist. It will be under the influence of Satan. It will have just gone through the seven years of tribulation and all of the judgments of the tribulation. And when Jesus comes at at the, the second time, at the end of the tribulation period, he will bring an end to the darkness in this world. There'll be light once and for all. Won't that be great? There's no more darkness in the world. The Bible also says of each of us that when God called us, he called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, that we were once in darkness as well. Now look at verse 3 again. This is looking ahead to the kingdom age when Christ returns and he's ruling upon the earth and he has his kingdom. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. When he establishes his kingdom, he will establish his kingdom in Jerusalem. His light will shine out of Zion. And we're told here that when he reigns, that even the Gentiles, the non-Jews, will come to his light. And even the kings of the earth will come to the brightness of his rising. Back in chapter 11, uh, verse 10. And in that day there shall be a root out of Jesse, who shall stand as a banner to the people For the Gentiles shall seek him and his resting place shall be glorious. So again, it's describing the kingdom age. Jews and non-Jews together will come to Jerusalem to seek the Lord. By the way, when Jesus Christ comes back to establish his kingdom, where will we be? We're going to be with him, right? We're going to come back with him to the earth when he's ruling and reigning upon the earth. Now, look at verse four. Lift up your eyes all around. Look around, the Lord says, and see they all gather together. They come to you. Speaking of Jerusalem, they come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. This is describing, again, the kingdom age. And the Jewish people returning back to the land of Israel and returning back to the city of Jerusalem. Currently, right now, there are many Jews that are returning back to Israel. But what you see happening today is just a preview of the regathering that will take place during the kingdom age when Christ returns. Then, verse 5, speaking to Zion, speaking to Jerusalem, Then, when Christ returns, when your people start to return back to you, then you shall see and become radiant, speaking of Jerusalem, and your heart shall swell with joy. What a great verse this is. You know, the Bible describes Jerusalem as the perfection of beauty. But its most beautiful time will come in the kingdom age. When Christ is reigning in that city from that city and the people of God are returning back to that city and coming to that city, to the temple, to worship Jesus Christ, then Jerusalem will become radiant, he says. Then it will swell with joy because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. The multitude of camels shall cover your land, the dromedaries of Midian and Ephah, 
All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense, and they shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. Again, describing the kingdom age. The Gentile nations, we're told, will bring their wealth to Israel as a gift to the Lord, as an act of sacrifice and worship to the Lord. If you remember, as we've been studying through Isaiah, the Gentile nations, as Isaiah wrote this, were constantly invading Israel and stealing the wealth of Israel and taking the wealth of Israel. But during the reign of Christ, wealth will flow into Israel and into Jerusalem. And look at verse six. Look at verse six again. It says at the end of verse six that they, the Gentiles, shall bring gold and incense and they shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. If you remember, sometime after the birth of Jesus Christ, the wise men, the magi from the east, right? They came to Jerusalem. They came to worship the one born, the king of the Jews. They came to worship Jesus Christ. And what did they bring with them? Gold, frankincense or incense and myrrh. Gold was the king of metals. So it was the metal of the king. Right? It was the most precious metal, and so gold represents the king. Frankincense or incense was used by the priest in the temples. Jesus was both the king of the Jews, and he's the great high priest. That's why they brought gold to him. That's why they brought frankincense to him. Now, what about myrrh? Myrrh was a burial spice. Myrrh was uh, an embalming fluid in today's terms. So these wise men from the east, they brought gold. That makes sense. He's the king of kings. They brought incense or frankincense. He's the high priest. But they also brought myrrh, an embalming fluid. That's a pretty strange baby gift, right, to give someone. I'm sure Joseph and Mary were a bit puzzled by the embalming fluid. You know, oh, look, honey, embalming fluid. What a nice gift. Thank you so much. I'm not sure what we're going to do with it, but thank you. But it was prophetic. It was prophetic, right? It was a foreshadowing of his sacrifice on the cross for our sins. Right? That baby would grow up and offer himself as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He'll be crucified on the cross. That myrrh, it spoke of his sacrifice. It spoke of his crucifixion. He asked me how I know We're so glad you joined us today for Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. If you missed any part of this message or would like to hear additional teachings from this series, they're available to you for free at calvaryec.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. That way you will have access to each message as soon as it's made available online. That website again is calvaryec.com. If you live in the Baltimore, Washington area, we'd love for you to worship with us this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. For more information on what you can expect when you visit, go to calvaryec.com or give us a call. We can be reached at 410-491-4592. 
Again, that phone number is 410-491-4592. We look forward to you joining us as our guests. And please, take a moment to introduce yourself to Pastor Dan after the service and let him know you listen to Ring of Truth. With that, our time with you has come to an end today on Ring of Truth. Join Pastor Dan next time for more from this verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the book of Isaiah, right here on Ring of Truth. Good night.